Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I want to welcome you to another message as we roll in out of this uh, time of prayer into our message. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something that I think can be um, a little challenging for us. And, and so, uh, prayer is that through worship, through pr- uh, prayer and everything else, that we are just kind of opening ourselves up to what God is going to speak into our hearts and minds today. We've been in this series, if you haven't been with us, called Live the Life. And uh, we kicked the, the year off with this series. And the reason for that, as I've said a couple of times, is instead of losing 15 pounds this year, which is not really going to make that big of a difference in your life, we said that if you really committed yourself to these spiritual disciplines, it would change your life and the people's lives around you as well. This is bigger than just us. And so I hope that over the last few weeks, you've been enjoying kind of diving into this, learning and growing in your own spiritual disciplines as you walk with Christ. And I just pray that today that you're at a better place than you were just a couple of weeks ago, because uh, we've been talking about all these different spiritual disciplines. The one I want to talk to you today, though, comes out of Romans chapter 10. So if you'd grab your Bible, your device, head over to Romans chapter 10. We're going to make it easy today. We're just going to dwell in these 17 verses. We're not going to go anywhere. Last week, I jumped around quite a bit. I know that makes it hard for you to to track sometimes. Today's not going to be a problem at all. If you just go there, uh, we're going to camp out there all day, and I pray and hope that we can just dive into this and draw out some truths and maybe even change our thinking about the subject today than than when we came in here this morning. This series has been, like I said, about spiritual disciplines. And we talked a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mike got up and he shared with us this idea of being uh, in the Word of God every day. And, and his, his example, I thought, was fantastic. He said, God has given us 1,440 minutes a day, and he's just asking for 20 of it back. If we could just spend 20 minutes in the Word of God, it would change everything. And he, he issued that challenge to you. And I know that through uh, the last few weeks, we've seen many of you, you've engaged with that online reading. You've been with us. We were getting questions about that. And so, man, I'm just so thrilled with those of you that have have stuck it in there and and just said, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to spend 20 minutes a day in the Word of God. And I know that that God is blessing that and He's growing you up in that as well. Pastor Mike also talked the week after that about prayer. I kind of changed our thinking about that and making sure that prayer isn't just all about us. Like it's about the world around us, the other people. and, And we need to be spending some concentrated time just not just talking to God, but listening listening to God as well. And then last week, we talked a little bit about um, this idea of serving, and not just serving in one spot, but serving in three different realms, this, this idea of serving God, serving each other, and serving the world around us. And today, the topic is sharing, um, speaking your faith, being able to share your faith with the world around you. And, and I'm going to talk about sharing. I'm going to talk about another word. It's evangelism. If you don't know what that is, that's sharing. It's just this big Christian word that just means sharing your faith and sharing it with an unbelieving world around you. And so if you hear those, they're interchangeable today, evangelism and sharing, uh, if, if you've never heard that before. Uh, before we jump into Romans chapter 10, let me just tell you how Paul finished up chapter 9. He concluded it 
by making this statement that Israel had tried to become righteous before God in all the wrong ways. And specifically, they were relying on their attempts to keep the law to make them right before God. And the problem with that is not only were they trying to achieve righteousness through obtaining, uh, through obedience to the law, but they were trying to um, refuse Christ as the Messiah. They, they didn't want to put their faith in him. They were putting their faith in the law more than they were in Jesus Christ themselves. And, and Paul is calling them out on this. And he actually quotes Isaiah. And he says that Christ has actually become their stumbling block. Um, but he said, all who believe in Christ as the Messiah, that they would not be put to shame. And then he launches into Romans chapter 10. It starts off like this. Hopefully you're there. Verse 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. He's speaking to a group of Jews. He's been going back and forth in the book of Romans between the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles are just all the other people. So you have the Jews and you have all of us, right? Uh, we would fit into that classification, but he's talking and going back and forth, and he's trying to, to encourage people. Jesus is the Messiah. Put your trust in him. Follow him. Uh, believe in him. Don't believe in the law. Don't put it in, in your obedience to the law, but trust in God. And in this moment, I love it because Paul expresses this deep personal spiritual burden that he has for the people of Israel, for the Jews, for them to wake up and understand that Jesus was the Messiah. And he says it's a longing of his heart that that flows out of. Some of your translations say, he says, it's my heart's desire. And I wonder if we have a heart's desire to see lost people come to know Jesus. For most of us in this room, I would say that the majority of us are probably, we would classify ourselves as Christians. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. We've received Christ and, and we're moving on. And, and here's some of the problem that we make is we start to make our faith all about ourselves. It's all about the next Bible study or, or growing in, you know, our faith or, you know, walking. And, and, and that's not wrong. I'm not telling you that. But I'm also saying that when we specifically just zero in on that and, and leave out sharing our faith, we're not fulfilling everything that God has called us to do. Now, should we grow? Should we be part of a Bible study? Yeah, we've already talked about those things, you know, in the word and in prayer and, and you should be serving. But here's, here's another aspect of it. We need to be sharing our faith. It's bigger than just us. And my, my question when I read this is, do we have a longing of our hearts to see lost people come to know Jesus? Is it our heart's desire for them to know Jesus? And I would say for the majority of Christians, and for especially the American church, I don't know if we have that. Like we've internalized our, our faith. We've, we've made it an individual thing. And there's not very many Christians that I would say, and this is a general statement, I understand that, but I think I can make this just based on the, the churches that we interact with that are not interested in reaching an unbelieving world around the four walls of the church. And I think that breaks the heart of God. It wasn't just that Paul had a heart's desire to see them come to know Christ. He goes on, he says, the longing of my heart and, look at this, my prayer to God. This hit me this week when I was preparing for this. Because I was really zeroing in on that heart's desire. Is my heart right? Is my heart broken for the loss? And those types of things. And then I started reading over that and I realized, wait a minute, he takes it a step further. He spends concentrated time, he spends effort in praying for the salvation of those who don't know Christ. 
It's not just about his heart's desire, but it's about his prayer to God for their salvation. Let me ask you this question. Are you praying for the salvation of others? Now, when I asked that to myself this week, I had to go, I don't know. I don't think I really am. I'm not really spending a whole lot of time praying specifically for the salvation of this person or that person. For my out relationship is what we call it here at Mountain View Fellowship. We're supposed to be fostering an out relationship with somebody who doesn't know Christ in hopes of someday being, being able to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But am I really spending time in prayer for that? Do I bring that before God? Do I ask for the Holy Spirit's assistance in that? Would you please give me an opportunity? Would you help me to be able to share the gospel with the person who doesn't know Christ, that loved one or that friend or that coworker or classmate? Now, why isn't there more urgency out there for this? If we're talking about this and we're saying that this is important, why does it seem like within the church in general that there's not an urgency to share the gospel with an unbelieving world? I think there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of excuses we could make. I think you could probably name some of them. But I think one of the biggest ones is the fact that it's just not personal to us. As I said, many times our faith becomes internalized. It becomes something secret that we do behind closed doors. We, we go into the closet and we pray. And we got to change that. We have to make it personal. I heard a construction... Uh, story where they were uh, digging a big trench and they were laying a bunch of drain pipe in the ground and these guys were down in the bottom of this trench and and this situation came up where all the dirt walls collapsed and when they collapsed several workmen were buried underneath all the rubble and in the middle of all the excitement and then the confusion a crowd gathered all around this trench and they were watching just a few people down in the bottom trying to find these these victims And all of a sudden, a lady walked over to one of the men standing there on the side of the trench, and she put her hand on his shoulder, and she said, Bill, do you realize your brother is down there? And all of a sudden, you could see the the color go out of his face. He took his coat off. He grabbed a shovel. He started yelling at all the other men, get down in the ditch with me. They got down. They started digging, trying to find these, these workers that were trapped in the dirt. Let me ask you the question, what changed in that situation? Why did he go from just being a bystander to now he's leading the charge to dig in the trench to find these victims? It became personal. That's what happened. We need this idea of sharing, this idea of evangelism to become personal for us. We we need to understand that every person that you come into contact with that doesn't know Christ, every non-believer that is trapped in their sin apart from salvation will spend eternity separated from God. We need to know that. We need to know not only that, but every one of them is created in the image of God. God loved them. He knows them. He died for them. He rose again for them. And he loves them and he desires for them to be grafted into the family of God. He, get this, wants them to become your brother and sister. We need to sense that urgency. We need to have that placed upon our hearts. We need our hearts broken for those people, those who don't know Christ. Romans goes on to say this in chapter 2. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Like you're chasing after the law. You don't understand that God has changed this. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They, they thought they had it figured out. 
These Jews, they knew the scriptures. They, they had heard all the stories. They knew about God. And yet they thought that the way that they were made right with God was just by observing the laws, by obeying the laws. And see, what's interesting to me is they were not receiving Christ as the Messiah. Um, we, we talk about it in terms of the gospel. We talk about it in terms of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the way we say it all the time. You need to go share the good news. Share the gospel with the people around you. But here's the problem. Many times the gospel doesn't have the effect. The good news isn't good news because we don't understand the bad news. The bad news, if you haven't heard, is Genesis 1, 2, 3. God created us in his image. He designed us for an eternal relationship with him. And we turned our backs on him. And it broke that relationship. And get this, there was nothing, nothing that you and I could ever do to make that relationship right. We were stuck in our sin, destined for death eternal, until God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for us, and he did that so that we could be forgiven of our sins. But not, he didn't just stop there. He was placed in a tomb and he rose again three days later so that not only do we get forgiveness of our sins, but we get to have eternal life with him. And see, what's interesting is, is Paul is writing to a group of Jews who understood the bad news. They knew the Torah. They had read through this many times. They had memorized it. They understood the bad news, but they didn't really know about the good news. And I think almost the reverse is true today. So often we teach the good news without teaching the bad news. We need to understand the bad news so that we'll realize how good the good news really is. Right on? Like I'm telling you, when you understand the bad news, the good news is no longer good. It's great. It's amazing. There's nothing better in this world. The Jews knew the bad news, but they didn't really understand the good news. Refusing to accept God's way, they clang to their own way of being made right with God. By trying to keep the law. And Paul's saying, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. They thought that righteousness came through following the law. And Paul is telling them, no, it comes through Jesus Christ. It's not about doing, it's about done. Jesus has already done it on the cross. And I think the same is going on today, especially in a lot of churches. I think a lot of religious people often miss salvation because they don't know about God's perfect righteousness, and so they seek to establish their own righteousness. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you don't know Christ, and you're doing the exact same thing. You're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really that bad. Like, I'm at least better than that person. And you're banking on your salvation, eternal life, based on your own works. These words are for you. None of us can be righteous enough. It's only through Christ that we are saved. Jesus came and he said, I am the, truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right. It's not through your works. It's not through how good we are or not, you know, how we haven't done as much bad as the next person. It's not about any of that. It's about where we place our faith. Is it in Jesus Christ or not? That's the bottom line. Some of you might be struggling with that because maybe, uh, like me, early in my life, raised in a church that was very legalistic, um, I, I, I thought that if I had a bad thought or if I said a bad word before Jesus came back, like if he came back in that moment, I was going to go to hell. I, I was in fear of my own salvation. Why? Because I was banking on good works. I thought I had to earn my favor with God. 
And Paul says, no, that's not how this works. It's all through Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are made right with God. He, he, he tells us that right here in verse 14. Look at this. It says, I'm sorry, verse 4 through 4, 13. It says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. Is anyone able to do that? No, not a single one of us. Moses' way of making us right with God is through required obedience to all of its commands. That doesn't work. He goes on to say, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Verse 9, here we go. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say it with me, you will be saved. Verse 10, tacks onto it, makes it even stronger. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's incredible to me. As pastors, we sit around a lot and we talk about um, the church because we're called as pastors to, as scripture says, shepherd the flock. It's our job to, to care for you to direct and teach and hopefully equip you for the work that God has for you. And so we sit around as pastors a lot and we pray for you and we talk about you and we go, okay, where are we, where are we hitting the mark? Where are we missing it? What do we need to work on? What, where are some areas that we need to really, really focus on? And one of the things that we have been talking about here lately, uh, Pastor Mike is our growth pastor. And so this is his area that he really focuses on, spends a lot of time praying about it and really seeking God's direction. And, and he brought something to the table here recently. We started talking about it. He said, uh, and we all agreed with him. He said, you know, we're having a lot of conversations within the church, people that we feel like are further along in their faith. And we'll ask questions like, how sure are you of your salvation? Are you saved? Or um, how do you know that you're saved? And we're getting answers that are all over the board. And we're finding out that there are a lot of you that maybe aren't as sure as we had hoped you were. Like we asked the question and, and you're like, well, I think I am. Yeah, I, I believe I am. Well, how do you know? I don't know. I don't really know. Now, based on that, I just want to share with you this passage again. Did you notice that, that Paul made it very clear? Did, did you see how he said that you were made right with God, how you were saved, being saved through Christ? Did you see that? I mean, he, he spelled it out several different ways. Uh, clear back in verse 4, he says, all who believe in him, talking about Jesus, are made right with God. That's what he said. And actually, I'm going to skip back because I just want to read this. I want you to see it again. Look at this in verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can I just ask, is that difficult or is that simple? It's simple, isn't it? God sent his son. He did all the work for us. And all we have to do is believe to declare it. 
He goes on in verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. He goes on in verse 13 to say, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He makes it very simple for all of us. Paul is explaining the truth of the gospel. And he's saying, look, it's not difficult. It's not unattainable. The, the only way it's difficult and it's unattainable if you try to do it under your own strength or, or if you try to do it under your own effort. That's when it's unattainable. But Paul is contrasting this, this work method of salvation and this gospel method of salvation. And he's saying, look, one is unattainable. One is ridiculous. The other one is very simple. He's saying, don't go with this one. And, and in chapter 10 in particular, he's calling out the Jews because they still believe that they can attain salvation through adherence to the law. And he's saying, that's not how it works. It's just simply by believing and receiving. That's it. Believe and declare and you will be saved is what he says. It's not that difficult. And yet we make it difficult. And then he starts talking about, you know, this idea of going up to heaven to, to bring Christ down or going down to the grave and bring Christ up. This idea of ascending and descending are acts uh, that men do. And Paul is saying, look, you don't need works. You don't need to perform so that Jesus finds, uh, finds you righteous. That's not how this works. He says, you obtain righteousness through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's as simple as receiving and believing. Are you with me this morning? Got it? I want you to know that because I'm praying that some of you in this room that have not received Christ, you're understanding this maybe for the first time. And you're saying, man, I, I didn't realize it was just simply by believing in Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us that believe in Jesus Christ, I want us to understand this because this is what we're supposed to be sharing with the world around us. This is speaking your faith. This is evangelism to the world of being able to show somebody how they can be made right with God, how they can put their trust in Jesus, and be saved. Now, the other thing you need to know is you begin to share the gospel with the world around you. There's two possible outcomes. The first one is that they would hear it, they would reject it, they would take offense to it, and they would push it away. The other one is that they would hear it, they would receive it, and they would repent. Those are the two options that they have. And here's what I want you to know. As you go to share your faith, those are not up to you. You can't decide which one they're going to choose. That's up to them. That's between them and God. But I love the fact that these are the options and they're not up to us because it takes all the guesswork out of the equation. And it can actually give us confidence when we go out to share the gospel with the world around us, understanding that it's not about us. That's not up to us. Our, the only thing up to us is to be able to speak it and to share it with people around us. Salvation is not in our hands. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that has been working on them and drawing them closer to God. If they respond, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not because you did such a great job or not a great job. Does that make sense? See, I, I want to take the pressure off of you so that you're free to be able to share this with the people around you. Uh, this brings up an interesting question, though. If salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit, then why should you and I worry about it? Why should we be urgent about it? Why should we take this seriously? Here's the reason. And, and if you miss everything else, I want you to get this. Because no one is saved, and let me just repeat it this way. No one is saved apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can't be saved. 
expecting someone to come to the saving knowledge of who Christ is and experience this life transformation that he has for him based on something other than the gospel is not how God works. It doesn't work that way. Verse 14, 15 tells us this. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. You know who they're talking about? They're talking about us. If you followed that, that pattern, it says, how are they going to believe if they never heard? And how are they going to hear it if no one ever tells them? And how, how are they going to tell them if they've never been sent? And, and if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ in here today, this is your mission. We actually reverse it. We go, we are sent to go and tell so that they might hear and might believe. That's how that works. But we are sent, every one of us. Uh, we have this thing called the Great Commission, Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. The last instructions that he gives us as disciples, not pastors, by the way, but disciples. That's every one of us. It's, this is the instruction for all of us. You know what the first word is? Go. That's what he says. Go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I have commanded you. That's the instruction that we were given. And if people around us are going to be saved, it will only be through you and I sharing the gospel with them. Because how can they believe if nobody, if they have never heard, and how are they going to hear if nobody tells them, and how is anyone going to tell them if they haven't been sent? You've been sent. So let's go, and let's tell so that they might hear, and they might believe. This is how this works. See, Paul understood the urgency of evangelism. He understood how important this was. My question is, do we? Do we understand the importance of the Great Commission? I mean, this should change our priorities. This should change something in our lives. When I was growing up, I remember thinking, you know what? I'm I'm not really a good evangelist because I I don't like to speak it because I don't want people to think I'm weird or anything like that. And so I spent a lot of my life not speaking up for Christ. I just hoped that maybe they would see a difference in my life. Preach the gospel and use words if you need to. You remember that saying? I hate that saying. We need to speak it. We need to share it. And and what's interesting is um, it should become a priority in our lives. And as a church, I'm promising you this. In 2024, I want us to live on mission, and I want us to speak the gospel to the world around us every opportunity that we get, not just with our lives, but with our words. I want it flowing out of us. I have a professor that says, uh, you should be so full of the gospel that when somebody bumps into you, it spills out. That's what I want this church to be. They just get around us, and they hear it. They sense it. They feel it. They know it's real. Do we understand the importance of the Great Commission? Um, The pastors were talking about this, and they came up with this scenario, and uh, I I missed out on the conversation, but as I came into the conversation later, they shared with me this scenario that they were playing with, and and I started laughing about it, but here's the thing. I'll, I'll just be honest with you, right? The more I thought about it, the more it jacked with me. This thing messed me up, and it's still messing with me today. And here's the scenario. You ready? You ready to have some fun? I want you to pretend that, that Jesus has a cell phone, okay? And let's say that later on today, you get ready to leave this service. You're, you're walking out the doors, all right? And Jesus sends you a text. 
Here's the scenario. I just want you to think through this. He sends you a text, and here's the text that he sends you. I'll be there in 15 minutes. What do you do? What do you do with that? Right? Can I just be honest with you? I mean, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've had a lot more time to think about it, process it. Uh, Can I just say this? I'm not spending 15 minutes scrolling on my phone. I'm not playing video games for 15 minutes. And I'm not going on vacation. And if I can get real with you just for a minute, I'm not coming here. I'm not going going to a worship service. You're Christians. You're already going to spend eternity with us. You know what I'm doing with my 15 minutes? I'm calling every person that I know that I love that doesn't know Christ, and I'm going to share the gospel with them in hopes that they would receive Christ and spend eternity with him. Tell me that doesn't jack with your priorities a little bit. And yet, as Christians, many of us have never said a word. We've never spoken the gospel to anyone. And I think we need to change that. We, we, need to, we need to be bold and we need to go out and we need to share the gospel with the world around us because we have a world that is dying to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We got neighbors, we got coworkers and classmates who need Jesus more than ever. They need hope. They need to know truth. And you have it. Like you've got it. Are we sharing it? Do we understand the urgency of it? Now, as we go to do this, let me just tell you, there's some sad news that comes along with this as well. Paul tells us in verse 16, he says this, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes from hearing. We got to be sharing it, but some are not going to welcome it? Are you kidding me? That's truth. But again, that's not up to you. You are not the savior of anyone. That's not our job. Our job is not to dictate how they receive the good news or not. Our job is not to save them. Our job, as we see it in the world, is not to be the savior, but to be obedient to what the savior calls. See, the savior is not us, but the savior is calling us to reach out into the world and preach the gospel. And and wherever it goes from there, that is up to the Holy Spirit. That's not up to us. That's not on us. We do it in truth and we do it in love and we turn it over to the Holy Spirit and we trust him with it. And I'm saying this because I know some of you are sitting here today and you've got grown kids who have walked away from the faith and you spend tons of your time worrying about them. You're stressed out. You pray for them. You do everything that you can to reach them and you're wondering if it's ever going to come back around. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has not forgotten them. That what you've taught them as they grew up is still there. And get this, you have a God that loves them way more than you ever could. And he's using his Holy Spirit to speak into their lives. If you were on the other side of that and you were in connection with them, would you speak and you would pray that somebody would? Do you realize that you're in in relationship with people, you come into contact with people every day that need to know Jesus, that they've got people praying for them and they're hoping that you'll just speak up? that you'll share the gospel with them. See, our job in Scripture, the way it's spelled out, is just to water and plant, water and plant, water and plant. The growth is not our job. That's God's job. But we have to water and plant. We are called to that. Faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. 
Water and plant, water and plant, and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit is drawing people that are far from God to him every day. And and this is why I always like to say our job is to be obedient, to speak the good news, to preach the gospel to the world around us, to be obedient to the Great Commission. And, And I love saying it this way, and to partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that he is already doing. He's moving and working. He's just looking for us to partner with him. So I know all of you know this already. You knew this was coming, right? The action step for this week, share the gospel with somebody this week. Develop a heart's desire for the loss. Pray for someone's salvation this week. If you don't know of somebody who's lost, pray that God would direct you to somebody. Pray that God would open doors for you to be able to share with them about this God who who loved you, who saw you in your sin issue and still loved you and rescued you and the change that it's made in your life. Share that with somebody this week and then leave it in God's hands to do what only God can do. I, I want us to be courageous and bold this week to be able to share the gospel with the world around us. Can I pray that for all of us? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now as your people. We love you. Man, we love you. We we can't thank you enough, Lord, for loving us first, for sending your son to die for us. Even when we were at our worst, even while we were still sinners, you died for us. You, You loved us when we were unlovable. And Lord, we we stand in awe of you today. But Lord, I pray that wouldn't just stay there, that we, we couldn't help ourselves, but we would just share it with the world around us. Would you open up doors for us this week, each and every one in this church? Would you allow us the opportunity to share that with somebody? Somebody that you love, that's created in your image, that you died for, that you desire a relationship with? Would you help us to see the people around us the way that you see them? Lord, it might be a loved one. It might be a boss that we're having trouble with. It might be a student that we don't get along with. Whatever it is, help us to see them the way that you do. And then, Lord, open the door for us to be able to love on them and to share the gospel. Lord, I pray that in these moments that we would be able to do that and we would leave it in your hands. But, Lord, I'm also praying for breakthrough, that we would see people respond in a way that we would understand that your Holy Spirit is using us, that you are sending us to go tell so that they might hear, so that they might believe. And Lord, I pray that all of this continues to build your kingdom and it continues to mold and shape us into a community of believers that looks more and more like you. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.